Welcome to Debt to Cinema. I'm Stephen Maltmanex. And I'm Brian Gillis. Like most people, we love going to the theater and catching latest releases. However, we sadly put a big dent in our wallet. Fortunately, living in the digital age makes the viewing possibilities endless from the comforts of home. Many of these films that you can see right from your couch, we're ashamed to say we miss, despite labeling ourselves cinephiles. So join us as one or both of us cross off a title from our list of shame. It can be an all-time essential classic. Or an underrated piece of cinema that's worth giving a shot. Hell. It might just be some trashy film we want the other's opinion on. So sit tight and join us as we pay off our debts, one dollar at a time. The Regis School for Boys, where the country's best families... Hey, bring that back here! ...send the world's worst students. If you're going to kick me out, kick me out. They'd make four prep schools in four years. You're trying for the Guinness Book of Records? But these boys... ...are in for a real shock. If you do not produce my father unharmed, I will begin executing the hostages. I'm sure by now you have discovered who their parents are. Chairman of the Armed Services Committee. Vice Chairman of the Republican Party. What does your father do, William? Contractor. According to this, he owns the third largest construction company in the world. Yeah, he's a contractor. My boys, many of them, they have a real problem with authority. Are you with me or not? Of course we need But if you get a shot, we're going to be PO'd. I don't know about you, but I do think that for most boys, this is true, where there's a point where you're not exactly a teen yet, but you kind of get over, you know, just watching cartoons like fucking, I don't know, Spongebob or Dexter's Lab, whatever, what have you. That was the case for me. And then you just start getting into anything testosterone field, which is like sports or fucking, you know, video games with first person shooters, guns and all that shit. Yeah, you just fucking get way, way into it. anything fantasy related where there's mm. violence and shit. Like, as far as movies, man, there's fucking... You start discovering action heroes like Schwarzenegger or Van Damme. There's the fucking Bond franchise. A big one for me that I thought, you know, was fucking cool was like Die Hard or just any hostage situation movie or fucking Die Hard knockoffs that came, which this is obviously one of them. But I don't know, shit like Air Force One. But it's not just the movies. Like when you're a kid, a big part of this that I don't think is really talked about is that sometimes you daydream when you're a kid about being one of those heroes, you know, like... Of what you would like do if you save the day. Yeah, shit like that. So when a diehard type hostage situation comes out where terrorists take over a fucking school and, you know, they're kids that, hey, maybe they're a little bit older than you, but you realize, yeah, they're not that far off. For that to cater to a kid, it is fucking amazing. So, yeah, this is, you know, you've shared some of your childhood favorites like fucking um <laughs> freddy got fingered and biodome and biodome. and a whole bunch of yeah. other shit i know i know this is not comparable to those by genre but mm-hmm. this is where i'm going with that and watching this movie with kids in elementary school and spreading the knowledge of that like this was our shit man we fucking loved this thing so fucking much like it, it, it was it's... incredible so i <laughs> yeah, this is a first watch for me. Yeah, so I don't know if it's going to work for you as much, but yeah, that is where I'm coming from. I hadn't seen Red and Dawn in its entirety, neither the sequel, <laughs> that's or also one, whatever the fuck your remake or original. Yeah, but this movie is basically Red Dawn meets fucking you Die know, Hard. Throw any prep school movie in there, plus any Die high Hard. school movie. Yeah, <laughs> to a certain sense, like Sen of a Woman. Meets Red Dawn. You know? Although these are not the fucking intellectuals that are trying to out intellectual each other. No, these are the fucking kids that the are more street smart. Yes, absolutely. 
Well, like they're, they're not I, making pranks where say, they're trying to be fucking no, clever. No, they're Sean just Sean Austin is the street smart kid. The rest of them are his cronies that just go along with like you know they have that yeah. that moment at, towards the end. Yeah, they're they just went, like, hey, we'll do like, whatever you want. It's a stupid want. fucking plan, and you're like, well, you we're gonna do it. You know, that's why you made it. You know. Like, and that, that's kind of the idea. And just watching this, you know, it, it's the 90s. It's the early 90s. You can tell by the clothes and the fashion. And <laughs> almost everyone, including the star, has a fucking mullet. The bad guy has a ponytail. Like, everyone here, you know, looks a certain way. And the whole time, all I was thinking is, he went from fucking the Goonies. Yep. And then six years later, this. And then he was rooted How? a couple more years more later. But yeah. no, he's fucking ripped here. And then he's in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah what the fuck happened? How did he become an action hero? <laughs> or like for one movie? I know. It's like, really what was fucking his career but Yeah, no, he's, I never would have thought that Rudy could be a badass. But no, I mean, like, he's a really good He's reject. not a badass. He, he's a smartass. He's, he's, a, he's a punk. Not badass in the Schwarzenegger Stallone sense, but he fucking knows what he's doing. He's got smarts. Like, when he fucking... You know, there's that moment where he's like, "Oh, we're gonna do a prank." Okay, let's fucking bring put fire hoses in the in the through the windows. Like, no, 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 no. He fucking thinks of more perfect, meticulous shit, like bringing out the furniture of the headmaster's office and putting everything perfectly out Speaking there of. because that is a prank that he knows is going to get under their skin, and that's something that's going to remember. Like, he takes all that stuff into consideration of how it's how people are going to remember it. He's not just doing a prank on a whim like th- this is a smart guy that really thinks shit out speaking of the, the reason they get you know disciplined and they have to do the prank in retaliation the mouthwash yeah that like even though you know they're like oh yeah i put like fucking 400 proof vodkas and, and, then and the, schnapps, the cream of mints yeah. and the peppermint schnapps whatever whatever did you know that mouthwash, literal mouthwash, is not only ingestible but alcoholic? Mm-hmm. And if you drink enough, you will get drunk, and no one will know you're drunk because they can't smell it on you. Yeah, I learned that the that easy much, way. Though. It's it's not. That yeah, no, much. I mean like, it tastes a full no, bottle. Yeah, maybe. It tastes like shit. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you have to drink a whole bottle, and it tastes like shit. Because I saw a bum do it once. He was on the bus and he was drinking Listerine. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Like he's gonna die? And then like years later. I was, you know, using Listerine. I accidentally swallowed it. I was like, holy fuck, I'm going to die. And I went on the Googles, and I, I typed it up, and it was like, oh, you know, a little bit is harmless. And then, like, on Urban Dictionary, there was, like, some kind of term, like, Listerine shots or something. It was like, oh, yeah, it'll get you drunk. I was like, okay, well, in the future, you know, if I'm having a real bad day and the liquor store is closed, hey. You want to drink you know, a like full said, bottle it, of mouthwash? Not really. Let's not forget the most important reason why they got in trouble. Jennifer. That's so fucking weird. I thought that that was going to come back. either. Cause, really? Okay, yeah, the basement, you know, was brought back at the end of the film. It's necessary but for you the plan, the, even you though... you thought Jennifer was going to come back into it? Well, maybe not Jennifer, but the phone thing. Like, they it was kind, made no, such a it, big remember? deal. I, well, even still, you know, they made such a big deal about the way that they got in on the phone line and how smart it was and everything that I thought the basement was going to be used as well, which it was. But I thought there was going to be some kind of phone tap that maybe they would have listened to, like, the radio. Like, with what they did with the yearbook and the photo surveillance mm-hmm. and, the like, all the shit that they did to get the plans in the military. That's the best that I they just could assumed. do because they were pretty much under close watch the whole time. If the, if the guards were watching or just guarding the corridors at night, there was no way they could mm-hmm. sneak into the kitchen. Plus, I don't know how were they going to steal the tech and the phones. They were working with what they had. Yeah, I don't know. I just I thought you know maybe not the the sex line. Which ha- have you ever called one of those or had you ever called one of those? Because there's no point now. But I never kid, have. But I mean, just as a kid watching that scene, 
it was amazing. Like, no, this movie literally was like, you know, one of those tapes that I had that I recorded off Encore and I passed around uh-huh. and everybody oh, was watching sense. it. Sometimes you would watch it with friends and we would just be like, holy shit, during that scene. Like, I'm this not going to so lie, badass. you know, sometimes when I was like 12 Jerking years old, off. I would think about Jennifer <laughs> at night. And that is you a know, true story. <laughs> make, make of the details what you will, but know that Jennifer was in my thoughts. I mean, when I was 12, I was... Was I 12? Yeah, when I was 12, I was watching Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You know, I was already watching. I know you grew up in a, a different household and shit. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I had to sneak this in. Like, you know, that's... <laughs> I Like, I did get a diet of R-rated movies, like, if they were on Encore, HBO, or just tapes that uh-huh. were passed around. But, no, this was like, I had to sneak downstairs at 1 in the morning to watch it. But I watched it so many times when my mom wasn't around. So much so that the tape wore out, you know, after passing it around. Mm-hmm. So I don't have it anymore. I was thinking, like, oh, do I have this tape? Because I would totally watch it on this viewing. But no, I had to do the streaming option. Which, by yeah, the way, I, on Amazon, it, it looks great. Yeah, I watched it on YouTube. I got an HD copy, three ninety nine rental. Looked fine. I mean, it had some some artifacts, but no, it looked really, really good. Um, sound, great sound, too. I was in the headphones oh, and yeah. speakers. The, the fucking score for this movie, by the way. I, pretty good. It's so good, really. I mean, th- this movie what? is pretty much... It's forgotten easily, but I love... Just the main theme for this, you know, the dun, 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 like it, it just gets the adrenaline pumping and it's like, it's a good score for the 90s at that point while we're still transitioning into the 80s. But I just, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, this movie is like easily forgotten and easily dismissed, but like maybe it's because I grew up with it, but just so much of this mm-hmm. is memorable to me. And that score, so good and so Re- underrated. Refresh my memory. Last September, when you were looking for a, a school movie, and you nominated this. Yeah, this would have been And it. then we were talking about Back to School. What was the one that we went with instead? Uh, we went remember? with Kindergarten Cop. Okay, yeah, great choice. Yeah. Um, I was just curious. Um, so I, I kind of still want to do Back to School maybe next year, because now, you know, next week it's October, and I've mm-hmm. actually already began um, my Halloween movies. I watched Deathgasm, but whatever. That's not this this show we talk about the specific movies but everyone that's on this is not maybe a big name but kind of a big name starting you know with who edited it is fucking michael Kahn. It's yeah Spielberg's Spielberg's boy. Editor. you got Luis cassette jr who has amazing performance arlie army sergeant extraordinaire uh denholm El- elliott who's you know known for being the british guy in in the nana jones movie he's he's <laughs> good here the bad guy andrew divoff who i never fucking heard of but he's great here so yeah, good. he kicks ass. Yeah, like He's so, so much good. so like, I, that IMDb trivia in this movie is kind of useless, mm-hmm. honestly. But oh, yeah. like that is a good tidbit where he's like, yeah, this is the best role I've ever had. And I'm looking at his page and I'm like, well, this is the only role of yours that I think no I've shit. ever seen. But yeah. Yeah. But the, the banana gag, the, the, the banana toss in the trash can. Improvised, improvised, which, yeah, so fucking happy That's to cool. learn that. Like that Louis mm-hmm. Gosses Jr. reaction was like, that was a different take because it was a reverse Pick shot. But still, mm-hmm. that is a great moment. Um, but the kids, I mean... Obviously, we've got Sean Astin, who's good in everything, mm-hmm. and I wish he was in more, because, you know, he's in the Lord of the Rings movies, in the Goonies. But, I mean, you know, speaking of kids, though, I mean, this is something that, like, I thought of on this viewing that I thought was kind of cool, because I had mm-hmm. been itching to rewatch this for a while, and this show kind of gave me the reason for that. That's why I did it. But I really have not seen this movie in about 10 years or so. Ooh. And rewatching it now, you know, having seen the Goonies also within that time, or something like Monster Squad, I was thinking wow, this is kind of that perfect bridge of, like, here's these these kids that were, like, kids in movies in the 80s. Maybe not this cast, mm-hmm. but for the most part, that was the thing. And then what is the what are the shenanigans that they fucking get thrown into when they grow up? And this is, like, a perfect segue for that, where it's just like, okay, now it gets more intense. It could be an interesting, um, like, it's not going to happen because the, 
the cult status isn't there, but one of those fun like legacy cool films where they have like you know <laughs> their their thirtieth anniversary like or thirty year an- uh, reunion, yeah. and then he gets fucking hostage situation again. Like, oh, you <laughs> fucked with the wrong people. But looking right here, Sean Astin, he's mostly a voice actor now, which makes sense because you you know he doesn't have the boyish good looks, and he's he's probably a dad or maybe even possibly a granddad. I think he does some DC um, stuff as well for their animation. Yeah, Netflix. it's it's yeah, that's what I'm looking at here in terms of voice acting. But there's one note. There's two notable films that I skipped over. Bullworth, which he's barely in. He's the cameraman. You know, we did that on the show. Mm-hmm. But the real one, of course, and I, I couldn't think of it because you haven't seen it. He's the lead in Encino Man. It's not Polly Shore. It is Sean not. Sean Astin is um, in Encino Man. It's not Brendan Fraser. It's yes, it is Sean Astin. He's the true lead in Encino Man. Jesus. Want me to talk about Polly Shore a little <laughs> bit more? Let me do it for you. Okay, so. This is directed by an okay director. You know, Daniel Petrie Jr., mm-hmm. he didn't do much, if at all, really. He, he wrote Beverly Hills Cop. He wrote Turner and Hooch. But he did do something after this movie, and that's In the Army Now, the final Polly Shore movie, to be honest, the one that matters. And he wrote and directed that. So you can't escape the weasel. You just can't. Between Sean Astin in this movie, the director of this film and writer writing and directing a Pauly Shore movie, he might be a bigger deal than you think, not just in terms of 90s, but in terms of pop culture on the whole. You're going to eventually watch every one of his films. We're going to see Son-in-Law. For I think as long you're as I'm talking like with you, I'm game for it. I just can't promise that I will enjoy it. I'm not going to dismiss no, it. Son- just know Son-in-Law is in Biodome. Son-in-Law and Encino Man are actually honest-to-good like good movies more so by uh, like Encino Man because that's hey, the we'll first see. one like I said he's the he's the slapstick side guy I, I think we gotta see Encino Man soon um, but no Son-in-Law is actually a fairly good time yeah, you know as much as I dislike Biodome I will always credit your uh, praise of it and say like you know what he makes a good case it's in a fucking space station on earth it's I'll, a fucking I'll it's give not you a credit mall, for that, it's a space like, station that's not that will never from, be a movie where I look at you and go why the fuck design you like that? standpoint from a set design standpoint, <laughs> it is miraculous. It truly is. Um, but still with the cast here, Will Whedon. You got the, the fucking dickhead the from Star the next Trek generation. Guy. Yeah, you got Wesley Crusher on this. And, you know, he's, he's okay. I'm happy he fucking dies. Fucking dumbass death scene. Don't you know? If you're the son of some mafioso kingpin and you pick up a semi-automatic mm-hmm. rifle... Wouldn't you think not to hold the trigger down? He well, doesn't even okay, kill first someone. Off, first off, they're kids. They're kind of dumb, and the only he's one that's not really smart a kid. He's like, like let's. He's seventeen. All right, he's yeah, seventeen in, in this movie. But you know, like I gotta say, like this is maybe this is how fucked up I was as a kid. But for mm-hmm. a lot of people that look at classics and they go, "Oh yeah, that fucked me up." Me, I'm like, no, or maybe I just can't admit that that fucked me up. But I honestly love that this is a movie that killed a kid and that was it because you know i honestly as a kid i loved movies that didn't talk down to me that like actually went for the brutality of like yeah the worst possible thing could happen and like yeah when that death scene happened it was like for me as a kid and everybody else it was a total shock but i was like you know i was much more invested in the narrative at that point because then i was like okay yeah mm -hmm. i want to see them take this these fuckers down it's like any fucking hostage movie when the hostage taker kills a good guy and then you're just like Oh, now you gotta fucking just get these motherfuckers now and like save everybody as soon as you can. But when that happens to a kid, I don't know. It's it's just like 
I mean, you know, now I look at that moment, it's like I see the squibs of blood and it's it's kind of funny. But yeah, like as a yeah. kid, that was a really big fucking emotional moment. But it was great that it happened because then you took the situation seriously. I just look at it now, though, I got to say, and it's like, okay, when he fucking knocks out the guard that's escorting him, like, yeah, those moves are totally fucking rehearsed. But you watch that as a kid and it's like, oh, that's fucking badass. It's pretty ballsy, though. Yeah. But despite Sean Astin having top billing here because he's mm-hmm. the star... Will Whedon was probably the biggest star power on set. Yeah. Because this is the first thing he did after being, um, like, basically ridden out of the next generation. So he's a big fucking deal. You know, that's a huge fucking show. It still is a huge show. It's had another one start. But his career since this movie is nothing. Like, he play, he's in Flubber, I guess. He's in a couple of weird things. What he mostly does now is, like, TV shit. And then even more so than that... He's, uh, he's like, not even just a voice actor, but, like, he, he has a podcast, and he has, he does audiobooks. It's actually kind of weird, because he's friends with, um, fuck, what's his name? Ernest Klein. And so, Will <laughs> Whedon is a character, sort of, in Ready Player One. Really? And then even weirder, he does the audiobook for that movie, or <laughs> that book, and then I fucking guarantee it that he's gonna be in the movie as himself, which is just like a weird thing to think about. Um, probably the weirdest, the weirdest casting in this movie is Keith Coogan too, because it, you did your homework. You know who that is, right? Uh, I the kid with yes. the asthma. Yeah, yeah. He alongside Sean Astin, and it's like one of those weird trivia facts. So Keith Coogan is Jackie Coogan's son or grand mm-hmm. grandson, excuse me. The kid from Chaplin's The Kid, right? The mm-hmm. the original child star. Yeah, way back in like nineteen twenty something. Yeah. So, like, the reason why they have the Coogan laws, the reason why child stars are protected from their parents stealing their money. You know, it happened over 100 years ago. Like, it happened back then. He's the reason why. So, it's, it's good enough that he's his grandson, and, you know, he's only in a couple of movies, and this is really the big one. This and Adventures in Babysitting, which you haven't seen, is Chris no. Columbus's yeah. first directing role. But then, beyond that, and this is where, like, just history is weird, Sean Astin's dad, John Austin was on the Adams Family, the original television show, with Jackie Coogan. Jackie Coogan <laughs> played Uncle Fester, and John Aston, I think, was uh, was uh, Gomez. That's just like one of those weird, like, Hollywood is actually a lot smaller than you think it is things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, every, all the kids here are good, even fucking yogurt with the plane, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, they're... I, I gotta say, maybe this is my cynicism now getting to me, but mm-hmm. like... Please correct me on this if this sounds stupid to you or not, but like the idea yeah. of all chips being standardized, th- that was a bit of a leap for me on this viewing where I was just like, uh, uh, no, I, it's, I don't it's, know. Well, like, I mean, for one thing, maybe for the, the tech chips was, at the end of the, the film chip for a bomb being linked to the chip for a toy. And it, well, it wasn't the, the chip for the, the bomb. You know? It was the chip for, for the radio transmitter. For yeah. Well, no, and it wasn't even the bomb trigger. That was retrofitted. That was a garage door opener that was used with the, you know, the the IR All signals right. or radio right, yeah. signals or whatever. So it was, you know, it was just a radio controlled. But trigger. they never address that. And they just say the remote, you know, and it's like because it is a remote. That's why you know when they have their planning stages and they're like, oh, you could flip the plane in the bomb, or you could flip the control in the control. And yeah, that's, you know, the that's kid fair, was wrong. But I was like, I don't know, red instead of blue. It could have been different because maybe they got their parts in Colombia, not America. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to let you know, when this movie started, I didn't think I was going to like it. When it started in that fucking courthouse, <laughs> and it was in Spanish, 
And it was just, like, thrown into there out of nowhere, just, like, this cold open, literally, without any opening credits or nothing. And you're just watching this movie, and you're like, what? I'm going to have a hard time still trying not to confuse toy soldiers with small soldiers. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people do. Because the titles should be flipped. Well, hey, Toy Soldiers was first. Just, I, yeah, that's just why saying. the other one is called Small Soldiers, not Toy Soldiers. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, these... Why, why are these There's also, like, an animated thing called Toy Soldiers years before this, but, yeah. Hmm. Have you seen Small Soldiers with yes, Kristen Dunst yes, and a lot of animatronics? Yeah, yeah good, I was a big movie, fan man. as a kid. They were like, we don't have the CG tech to do Toy Story, so we'll do, like, the anti-Toy Story. <laughs> You're like, yeah, this movie... Like, that movie's pretty badass. For being oh, yeah, PG-13 dude, Joe Dante, man. Like, yeah, freaking... Based on the title, based off of, like, the last year's history of me not wanting to see it, and then even more so when the movie starts and it's in Colombia, and I don't know exactly what's going on. I was, I was removed. I was confused. I was not really digging it. But Sean Astin's just so fucking likable in everything he does. <laughs> he has this this screen presence that's kind of unparalleled. Like he, you know, he's a born movie star. It kind of sucks that his career only lasted a certain length. Like look at Harry Potter still acting. Fucking Frodo Baggins yeah. is still acting. But this guy, who's a child star as well, is just like I don't know if it's because he got pudgy or he stopped wanting to do it. Maybe he's a father. Like, it could be so many things. But he looks, not just in terms of, like, the way he's cut and his clothes here, but his fucking hair. Like, his face. <laughs> like, everything about him here. Like, and he looks a like a actor. 90s action star. Yeah. And, like, he, he has the charisma. He has, like, the delivery. Like, he has all of it going for him. And yet, like, this is one of his only really, like, big standout roles. Like, because even in Sino Man, you know, Brendan Fraser and Polly Shore steal the show. In the Lord of the Rings movies, he's the fucking gay sidekick, you know? Mm-hmm. In Rudy, he's yes, it's about him, he's the but it's like, you know, it's well, about it's, other it's things. Like, I think that's the one big one where he is the lead, and that's... I don't know if it's... Yeah. I can't... I really can't say at the, off the top of my head if Rudy was a big hit or not, but... You know, this movie it's an was emotional a flop. hit. Like this movie was a oh, flop, yeah. though. Like if Rudy for, for was a big blockbuster hit, then you kind of get typecast as that, and then I don't know. Bouncing back off Rudy is kind of tough to get back into. This movie flopped for no other reason than the fact that the script just isn't smart. Like well, maybe the marketing was bad. Well, here's too, the thing: but Th- this is an R-rated movie for twelve-year-olds. You know, like it's not I, for twelve-year-olds though. I, like this honestly, is though, this like, is I, for sixteen-year-olds. This is for kids that are in high school. Like everyone here is a high school them, kid. But like everyone that loved this movie that I know, they were a kid when they watched it. So you know, like it might be well, one of those cases the, like Detroit Rock City, where it's like, yeah, I think the audience for this was not old enough to buy a ticket. Oh, oh Freddie got fingered. You know, I snuck into that one too. It, yeah. It's. It's not a bad movie. It's a fine movie. It's like you said. You know, this is a diehard. <laughs> I disagree on Freddy Got Fingered, but sure. No, I don't. I mean, are you talking about of, this? You know, okay. No, I'm, t- I'm talking about this. You know, th- like this, this. It's a fine movie. You, there definitely is an audience for it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the characters, but it's not smart. Like Ebert, uh, Roger Ebert gave it a really bad review. You know, like he's like mm-hmm. it, it has a very obvious setup. You know what's going to happen, and they never really go for anything, which is true. Like outside of them, like. Once the movie starts, when the Colombians come into the school, it becomes, like, not a snore fest, but just, like, a pink by numbers. The only unexpected moment is Will Whedon grabbing the gun, dying, and then, like, you know, the shit hits the fan and his, his uh, the fucking um, Colombian dude's dad dying. But, like, the guy's a pussy, you know, he's, he's got daddy issues. He was never going to kill any of the kids. 
He was like very apologetic I, that I, this one kid died, I and think, not even because he's like the son of someone important. All right, here I will say this because this is something that I definitely I think I still gravitate to now. But right when Luis Kelly is set up, he is a guy that just doesn't give a fuck, and he'll do what he has to do right away. He is set up as a guy that he'll throw some random woman out a window to get the judge to confess to tell him the truth. He doesn't mm. give a shit. He'll get the answers he wants. Um, he, he throws the guy fuck, off the helicopter too. But, I mean, the one rule that he sets up when he's in the school is, hey, just tell me the truth, don't fuck with me, and you'll be fine. I think that, you know... He does give a fuck, though. I do do think that he's also... He's not a good guy, but I still think, at the end of the day, he's still a human being very cognizant of the fact that he's like, all right, I don't want to kill kids if I don't have to. When Sean Astin shows up late way after the bell for roll call you know that's that's like a save by the bell moment for him he'll still fucking whip the shit out of the kid but i don't think he wants to kill kids either and he's very aware of that but still i don't think there is a moment where when he's pushed to it he will not hesitate like you know he fucking kills a teacher without any hesitation too so he's not exactly a pussified villain but i think you know he still will draw a line for himself too he is pussified though like he's not a bad villain he's not a bad character he's, he's a not great presence exactly, too he's not villainous enough like he has one thing in mind and that is to get his dad out of prison when he's about to blow the building up before the plane takes off because he uses the remote control mm-hmm. you know he's you know basically crying like this is for you dad you know well, like it's a, it's a hollywood thing he doesn't which, can i say this really by the kill way anyone Hmm. Well, uh, I I think this movie is like, uh, you know, he kills the teacher at the beginning. Does he, though? I don't even remember him doing that. Yeah, no, no, he shoots him in the head. And then I think also when he whips Sean Astin, I think that's enough to like for me to say like, okay, he's still threatening like he'll still show force. But like I said, you know, I think he's also bonds with Sean Astin right before that moment. He went, oh, yeah, you know, I went to this school prep school that's not a bond that's not a bond that's a setup of like oh you think you're okay kid no you need fucking discipline let me whack the shit out of you that's not bonding like he fucking knew what he was gonna do he was just trying to build it up at that point which was fucking sick but i will say this too like especially for as a kid when you're you know you're still venturing in r-rated territory I that shot in the head for Luis Kelly still fucking sick. Oh yeah, great to me. I was just like, oh, yeah. fuck yeah, like that's that's violent, and that's also what you want at the point because you fucking hate this guy while you're watching him because you love to hate him. Part of the performance though that I do love, like I love how he kind of try. He just yells at some points where he just tries to scare the shit out of everybody. He's like, these bombs, they're hooked up to explosives. If you fuck, they're gonna explode. He raises his voice and he's like, they'll explode, and then they just like all just kind of fall back in their chairs a bit. And I'm like. That's that's so great. It's like just don't touch the wires, don't touch the explosives. <laughs> like he's like you know just one of those on things to let them know he's like, fucking serious. Look, you know, compare him to like he's an okay villain. You know, this this film's not about the villain. It's not about the hostage crisis. It's not about the military involvement. It's not about the father and son dynamics. It's not about these kids being rejects. The only thing it has going for it is the heart. The heart that's there between Sean Astin's character and Luis Gossett Jr. It's the bond that they have. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that is what carries the whole film. When he finds them in the basement, when he makes them smash the speaker, the role he plays with the mouthwash. When he goes to the sheriff with the spray-painted car, and he goes, hey, I know your uncle up the road has this liquor store. You know, they're about to have... Because he's looking out, because he knows it's not Sean Astin's fault. 
he doesn't want him to be expelled. He wants him to graduate. You know, he knows no one in his life has ever cared for him, and he's the guy that will. And not because he's a hard ass, but because he knows that he has the teaching. Even though he's not teaching, he's a fucking dean. You know, he's the discipline mm-hmm. guy. But he's the one that can offer it. Yeah. And that moment when, you know, the military is doing everything they can to hold him against his will and to free him. And he's like, no, I got to fucking get back there and kill five people. What's wrong with you? You know, no, no. And, they, you know, he comes in and immediately he knows what's at stake. He knows he's not a liar. He tells him to leave. He tells, you know, the, the sergeant, the FBI guy. Oh, yep. No, Just he trust says he can kid. do it. Like you, you can't trust him to get to class on time, but he knows how to stir trouble in the best way. Exactly. He's a leader. Like, he you knows know, what he, he's doing. And when you have that final, final, final moment, when he gets that gun and he jumps through that window and he literally sacrifices himself for a kid that makes yeah. his life hell. <laughs> like, I I almost teared up. I had goosebumps. <laughs> Thinking about it right now, I got goosebumps again. Like, there was a lot, a lot of heart between those characters, between the actors. I have to imagine on oh, yeah. set that they probably bonded too. Well, ju- just the scene too after the basement where he's going around, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's like you know yeah. that's basically the subject matter on the surface when he's just like he's trying to like f- track down all the other bottles of mouthwash. But yeah, just that stuff is great, you know, and like it's, you really it, you really get that work. sense of like that's discipline that works. Where it's like I'll be hard on you, but I do give a shit. And Sean Astin, like at least. I'd like to say, like, maybe not the beginning of the movie doesn't get an understanding of that because he's still like, I'm still going to mm-hmm. fuck with you. But, like, I, you know, maybe that 90s mega happy ending with the music makes me want to think that way. But then again, what if things go back to normal and then he just still gets in trouble and he's like, man, you remember that fucking time when the terrorists came by? Did you not learn shit? Oh, they did. Though. They, they're going to. That's why they have that... that- that's why they have that moment where he's like, so, you know, after all this, am I still on pots and pans? He's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah of course. Yeah, I'm not forgetting about this. Don't don't act just because you saved the school and I saved your life that we're, we're not going to butt heads. Like, you still got to graduate. <laughs> you know, who knows when that's going to be because they got fucking, you know, they might have taken all the bombs down. But they got fucking bullets everywhere. They got plaster on the ground. They probably got blood. They got to do crime scenes for, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the detectives got to come in and figure out what happened. You know, they got, they got a graveyard on campus now. Like, whatever. Like, you know, all these things considered. Um but you know, I I enjoyed the movie. It wasn't what it. It was a basically what I thought it was going to be once it started. It, it's really the cast. The cast takes a long way. The editing oh, yeah. is pretty good. The script isn't great, but it's not bad. And I think it's one of those like kind of lost little '90s gems that yeah, kind of is a debt to cinema. Like when it was released, there's nothing. There's almost no reason, like you said, outside of maybe the target demographic being a little lower. That if this was PG-13 instead, it probably would have been a hit, especially at that time. This is the same year Terminator 2 came out. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's almost no reason why it wasn't a success. But it's uh, it it it's not a silver dollar for me. It's not a dime a dozen. It's like um. It's in I don't between know. that or what? Yeah, it's it's fucking like uh I don't know, let me try to come up with something else. <laughs> it's a it's a wooden nickel. Okay? It's something that's not worth much, but it's cool that's, to have. That's worse than dime a dozen. Like No it's not. Yeah, because the nickel's below no, a no, dime, man. No, wow, it's a wooden worse. it's a it's a wooden nickel, man. A dime a dozen a is at least nickel. worth something, man. Like, wow, wooden nickel's not really. I'm going with wooden nickel, okay? We're Ouch, gonna call. I'm I, gonna call it that for now. I feel hurt, man. Like, I wow, enjoyed that, it. That really hurts. I, I'm glad to hear that much, but that rating stings a little. I bit. I wouldn't buy it. I don't think I'm gonna watch it again. There's nothing <laughs> silver or golden about it. Just show um, it to your kids, Brian. Just give me that much. Mm, show it. I, to I think your kids. I'd. Sh- I think I'd show them <laughs> some some better selections, but maybe. Oh, maybe 
well, when we do Teen Inks movies. <laughs> well, if you've listened to this point, I think you know where I stand on it. I mean, it's the, it's that blindness of nostalgia which still holds up to me. You know, that's mm-hmm. which I think that says a lot though about the value of something when it holds up. Because hey, sometimes you want to revisit from something from your childhood, and it may not hold up the same way that it used to. But uh, sure, this too. ended up being one of the cases where it did for me. Um, but I, you know, it's not necessarily just the cast. You know, I do love the villain here. I love his presence, but also I, oh, yeah. this is something I forgot to mention. And I think that given how heavy this is, like just the idea of setting a, um, you know, with, with a lot of school shootings and stuff that have happened, like, which thankfully, at least I hope that there won't be one in the next couple of days right before this episode comes out. But, um, you know, like for something this risque as a topic, like, there is still a sense of fun to it, and there's good humor throughout too. Like even as the terrorists are in school, like there's little things like right near the end when uh, Billy's on his own, like or you know he's taken by Kelly and he's trying to take them down, and yet they're all down in the basement. And one of the guys gives the headmaster a bottle of mouthwash. You know, there's a little, there's a nice little gag there too. There's a lot of nice stuff that's uh, uh, pretty humorous that's peppered throughout, where they're still able to have a sense of even the pots and pans bit where he's just like. Fuck the school gets taken over by terrorists, and I'm still doing this shit. Like, well, I mean, it's, you know, there's it's a lot the of good stuff wrote, like that. Beverly Hills Cop is first and foremost an action movie. It's a mystery. It's set in a police force, but it's fucking Axel Foley as don't 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 like it's whimsical. <laughs> it's it's Eddie Murphy doing his Eddie Murphy all. Like as, as soon as it starts with that, like the gag with the cigarettes. So you would assume that the guy that wrote that, or Turner and Hooch, or in the army now, or this, that you know that he would have mm-hmm. this sensibility. I, I guess he's even credited to a certain extent of like creating the buddy cop, or not buddy cop, but um, like action comedy genre. Well, but this this also does play kind of like a serious action film. And hey, let's be honest, like this is. There, there's no way around this. This is a diehard knockoff, you know, which, and it does take that ingredient there that's important in diehard, which is humor. And I'm happy that that's injected there. It's diehard meets Red Dawn in a school. Red Dawn is a school isn't. It's just from like, Send of the Woman, it's, which would come out a year later. And any, any prep school, to be honest. <laughs> um, it, it's, a, it's an interesting genre mashup. Um, I just, you know, it's my complaint, you know, when I would talk to people about Spider-Man movies before Homecoming came out, it's like, why wasn't Spider-Man ever in class in those movies? Why aren't any of the fucking kids in class in this movie? Like, instead of having a natural introduction of these characters where they're actually school students and, like, doing assignments or, like, in detention or... Even then, you know, when they're doing homework, then it's still like, Billy, this is your homework that I'm doing here. You know, they don't exactly pay attention. The it's most that you passable. get out of a lecture is the headmaster out in the courtyard going, Talking this about is books. a book. Yeah. It or, will you know, last well, he talks forever, about, like, way beyond us. He talks us. about Roosevelt a little bit. Like, you know, talks, yeah. like, you know, has, he has a couple of lessons that But you don't really, really matter I don't know, you don't exactly follow through on the lectures, but so it's this, not exactly all there. On that. Outside of these actors being of a certain age and looking a certain way and being in a setting that kind of sells you on who they are, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's in a school. You kind of forget, especially when the teachers are taken out of the building, when the headmaster's kind of removed. Like, there isn't a sense of urgency here. Like, these aren't pimply-faced kids. Like, they're 
not crying about in the hallways. They're they're not doing stupid stuff or antics. Like there's no one being no. bullied in this film. Like it's kind of removed from the territory. Has no, even instead of a woman, even though it's that... kind of like the same the same thing. Like it's still like this fantasy element where it's like, oh, yeah. it's just a school. Yeah, where it, it's that fantasy element of like you can be the hero in your own fucking school. That's how it plays. Like in a last action hero sort of way too, but mm-hmm. as different as that is. But um, I mean, you know, I will say this: like, hey, even if it's not a buy for you. I'm glad you at least enjoyed it, and I hope that for anyone else that checks this out, even if you're pretty late in your age to enjoy it the way I did, you can at least enjoy it on its own terms. Thanks for listening. We hope it's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to more by checking out the Dollar Review Show, where we cover theatrical and streaming releases, as well as give our two cents on anything we sought out on our own, whether that be TV, music, etc. You can find all of our content at dollarreviews.net. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook at Dollar Reviews. And we're also on Google Play Music, iTunes, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, just about anywhere on the internet with hours of content available to you for free. But for those of you that feel that the show is worth your dollar, you can send us a donation at patreon.com slash dollarreviews. Contributions not only earn our undying love, but they also make it possible for us to improve our recording equipment and to give you the highest quality episodes possible. But more importantly, they'd be helping us acquire the content to review. You know, trips to the multiplex are expensive, and the more donations we receive, the more films we can review for your listening pleasure. If you listen somewhere we're currently not available, you'd like to contribute some talking points, send a debt to cinema request, or if you just want to laugh at us, you can do so by reaching out to us on social media or send an email to brian at dollarreviews.net. Or you can email me as well, steve at dollarreviews.net. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Brian Gillis. That's B-R-Y-O-N-G-I-L-L-I-S. And now you know how to spell the email, too. And also under the same name on the Love You site, Letterboxd, which acts as my film diary, where I rate films that I'm watching, write the occasional review, and even sometimes compile lists. You can also find me on Twitter at S underscore MTX. And also follow my film diary at Letterbox under the same name where I log everything I watch and sometimes write brief reviews. That's it for this week. Until next time, keep the change.